things in store. So I got, got up this morning and uh, it was two o'clock and I thought, oh no, I need my beauty sleep. This is not good. I'm gonna show up with bags under my eyes and laying there and trying to go back to sleep. But my mind, I, you should live inside my head. My mind just goes. It's no wonder I dream incessantly. But I finally dozed off, I don't know, maybe around four or something like that. So then I, I got up an hour later, started my morning, my routine. And I'm all ready, I go out to the car and it won't go, the car won't go. So what good is the car when it won't go? And I'm thinking, oh Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you Lord, what am I gonna do? And I figured I'll call Hank and Hank can give me, I bet Hank had a family emergency and he's not coming this morning. My faithful wife, she jumped. She said, I'll put some clothes on. And I said, no, 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 you don't bother. But, uh, no, I mean, don't bother to bring me the job. What is wrong with you people? So, um, you're in the right place today. Just... So she said, no, no, I'll throw some clothes on and I'll take you. And because and um, she broke her routine and she brought me to church. And uh, so I'm on, my, I'm on my way in. And right in front of the door where all you beautiful people come through was a big puddle of vomit. Yep, the homeless vomited where you've got to walk through the door. And I'm like, oh, I studied it for a moment and then I turned away and I thought, I don't know what we're gonna do. And I thought, I felt so bad for Diane and Scott because I, I text Diane, I said, well, you're gonna, there's this big puddle of vomit. And then I noticed there's garbage all over the property, just bags of stuff thrown everywhere. And I thought, devil? <laughs> devil? <laughs> yeah, Satan, is that you? Duh. So, you know, it was just one thing after another. And then I got in and I, I'm on my knees. I'm praying and ding dong, I got a text and I checked it. It's Diane saying, did you get Hank's text? I thought, well, no, Hank didn't text me, you know. So he texted me, never arrived. The texting angel didn't bring it forth. So at any rate, he said, oh, I'm not gonna be there. I've got an emergency. So I thought, oh, we got no sound, man. What are we gonna do? And he runs the slides and everything as well, or whatever you call them. Um, so at any rate, it was just one thing after another piling up. I thought, oh, this is a wonderful indication that God's got something great. And plus, I had t families lining up telling me, we're not gonna be here, we're not gonna be here. And a lot of people out of town because of uh, New Year's, stuff like that. Um, so at any rate, the point is, all of this stuff, and I just, you know how we say give it to God? I mean, I gave it to the Lord. I thought, Lord, we're gonna have an awesome time. We're gonna have an awesome time. God's gonna move, hallelujah. And those that are here are gonna be blessed. Praise the Lord. Because we haven't come to have a religious service and we haven't come to have a memorial for poor dead Jesus. We have come to have an encounter with Jesus, the living King. Hallelujah, living King. So before this service is over, we are going to, we're gonna dance with the King. We're gonna rejoice with the Lord, hallelujah. Um, so I just thought I'd just share that little testimony with you. Satan tries, but he doesn't know we, we people with a made up mind. 
And when you're dealing with Christians that walk with the king and they got a made up mind, you can't do it. The devil can try. But uh, he just doesn't have any, doesn't have any game. He's got nothing. So, yeah. Did you say give him a chance? Oh, he doesn't stand. See there, my hearing too. That's a whole other thing. But the the heart ear is open, and I'm hearing God. So that's what that's what matters. Um, glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. So look, got your Bibles. What did we used to say decades ago? Wave them around, make the devil mad. I wish it were that easy. But I'll tell you what does make him mad. You just clean up the vomit, walk over where it was, praising God, and just have church. Because nobody can do you like Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Beginning in verse 46. And I want to pick up on a message I preached two or three weeks ago called Cry Out. To me. How many of you remember that message, cry out to me? And the story about blind Bartimaeus, and wonderful story, but there's a little more in there to squeeze out. And so this morning, Pastor's going to squeeze out a little bit more from Mark chapter 10 and the story of Bartimaeus, the blind beggar in Jericho that cried out to Jesus. Hallelujah. And this morning's message is entitled, He's Calling for You. Say this with me. He's calling, He's calling for, me. for me. Jesus is calling for you. Mark chapter 10, beginning in 46. And they came to Jericho. This is Jesus and his disciples. And they came to Jericho. And as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's hollering this, and he won't stop hollering it. And the scripture says, and many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more. Don't you just hate it when you can't calm people down? We sort of have the opposite problem. But you get people that are shouting out to Jesus and you can't calm them down. Uh, it can mess up a religious processional. And so at any rate... He was hollering out, and the people were trying to get him to calm down and tell him to shut up and be quiet, but he shouted out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, arise. He is calling for you. And casting aside his cloak, he jumped up, and he came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight 
and began following Jesus on the road. So Jesus says, your faith has made you well. But the only thing the blind man did was shout after Jesus. Just started crying out to Jesus. And then when they told him to calm down, this is church, he started shouting out all the more to Jesus. Because Jesus was about to get by. Jesus was about to leave town. Jesus was about to go, and this might be the last and only time he'll have to see the healer, Dr. Jesus. And so he cries out all the more. So like I said, this is a continuation of the message, cry out to me. But this is about Jesus responding back to you when you've cried out to him and saying, the people said to you, arise and be brave, take courage. He's calling for you. You know, when you look at this story, notice the difference between religion and Jesus, because it's there, perfectly illustrated in the story. Jesus has come into Jericho, he's walked through town, now he's walking out of town. I'll get to that in a moment, that sounds like a lot of churches to me. So he's come in, he's walked through, he's walking out, and there's this, the disciples and a whole crowd in Matthew's Gospel, it says a multitude of people are following him. And then all of a sudden, the air is all broken up with this guy shrieking frantically, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So notice that the religious people get irritated with the blind beggar who's crying out to Jesus, but Jesus isn't irritated. You got the difference between religion and Jesus. What irritates religious people attracts Jesus. Now, not always. Some things, as spiritual people or religious people, we, you get irritated and irritate God, too. But um, obviously, people crying out to Jesus attracts him. He doesn't mind it a bit. It may bother the deacons and the pastor, and it may bother the disciples um, and those that are in the parade with Jesus, but it doesn't bother Jesus. It stops Jesus. The phrase really years ago stuck out to me. I noticed in Mark's gospel it says, basically, Jesus passed through Jericho. That really said something to me because it says he entered into Jericho and then it says he left Jericho. There's nothing in between. There's no miraculous encounter. There's no story of the, of, uh, the, the, the minister of the synagogue running and falling at Jesus' feet and saying, my daughter is dying, come to my house. There's no story of the woman with the issue of blood pressing through the multitude saying, if I just grab the hem of Jesus' garment, I may be made well, as, as would happen in other villages and towns and cities where Jesus went. But it says he went into Jericho and he went out of Jericho. Something about Jericho that Jesus walked right through the place and nobody stopped him. Nobody stopped him. Nothing happened, and he's now about to leave. It says he's leaving Jericho, and a beggar who's blind starts crying out after him. That just, that just said volumes to me because there's no reported miracles until blind Bartimaeus cries out. Let me ask you a question. Just kind of get to the point of where this is heading. Could Jesus walk 
in and walk out of your house without being stopped? Could Jesus pass through your church? Could he pass through your community without being stopped? I mean, really, think about it. The only thing that stopped Jesus certainly wasn't the need because the city was filled with needs. Jesus doesn't stop for needs. He stops for needy people who cry out to him. The world is filled with needy people, but they're not crying out to Jesus. And he isn't stopping. But the cry to him is what stops him, what makes him turn around and say, bring him or bring her to me. So could Jesus walk through your house like he walked through Jericho? Could he walk through your church? I know you're probably not going to like this, but he's walked through your house many times without being stopped. And you know that's true. He's walked through our church many times without being stopped, and we know that's true. And he's walking through our community today without being stopped, and we know that's true. The fact is that many people live in Jericho houses, Jericho homes, live in Jericho communities. Many people attend and belong to Jericho churches. Jesus walks in and walks out. The service begins, Jesus is there. He said, I am in the midst of you. I am the Lord your God in the midst of you. So he's there. We begin to sing and worship the Lord. He comes. He's there. And at the end of the service, he walks out. Not a thing has happened. Nothing except the presence of the Lord was there. We need to break the habit of being satisfied with church because the presence of the Lord was there. Because there is so much more. There is so much more. The presence of the Lord is here for a reason. The presence of God is here for a reason. Are you listening? He's come into the world for a reason, not to make an appearance, but to change, deliver, heal, relieve, and, and love people where their need is. And so we, we live in Jericho homes, we attend Jericho churches, and we're used to it because no one's crying out. No one's breaking the routine, breaking their pattern to cry out to Jesus. And crying out to Jesus can be loud and, and volume, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Or it can, it can be uh, a demonstration of your life. We cry out in many ways. But you know that you're crying out to Jesus when he knows you're crying out to him, when he hears you crying out to him. You see, I think a lot of times we come to church, we sing, we participate, but God doesn't hear us because we're, our heart isn't in it. We're not really directing our praise. We're not really directing our worship to him. We're going through words, but it's not being directed to him. So he's not stopping. But when he hears your cry, when he hears from your heart that plaintive plea, I need you, Savior, I worship you, King, he'll stop. He'll say, bring that girl to me. Come on, church. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. There's something about Jericho churches that allow Jesus to go through unstopped. His presence passes right through the service without any encounters because no one is crying out. Why is that? It's because they're satisfied with church. Praise the Lord. I just paused for a hallelujah. Um, but I'm just going to keep going. Praise the Lord. He's not stopping and saying, bring those people, bring that congregation, bring that woman, bring that man to me because they're satisfied with being in church. They're satisfied with having a church service. 
Our churches must become more than an institution that helps us live in this world. People come to church to help them get through the world, help them live in the world. Church has become like a garnish, like a side salad to life. A garnish to life, a side salad to life. It's, a, it's a, something you can do without, but it's there to just kind of help you get the rest of the meal down. Church must get back to being a place where people cry out to Jesus. He stops in the middle of the service, calls them to him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you're going to stop Jesus from walking in and walking out of Jericho churches without there being a Bartimaeus encounter, then pastors need to stand up before the service and make an announcement. Just make a simple announcement. Something like this. We've prepared a wonderful service for you today. But if you want Jesus, you'll have to cry out for him. We're, we've gone through the, the preparations, and we're about to provide a context. We're about to provide a service. But don't think that if you just go through the service that you're going to get Jesus. You're only going to get Jesus if you stop him, if you ask him. In the middle of the song, and we're singing um, one of the songs we just sang about grace or about his love, and all of a sudden you wake up out of your religious nap, and you say, my God, I need that grace. Lord, I want that life. Or you're singing, he is the king, Lord of lords, king of kings, glory to God. And all of a sudden, you have an epiphany and you wake up and you start singing. Maybe your volume doesn't change, nothing else changes, but your heart is now singing. You are calling out to him. And he hears it. The Lord knows what's going on. He doesn't take a temperature or a volume check. He takes a heart check. He knows where hearts are at. Amen. I don't think we know where our hearts are at half the time, but he knows where our heart is at. So we, we should announce, we've prepared a wonderful service, but if you want Jesus, cry out for him. Hey. Jesus loves the broken people who are by the roadside because Jericho's not enough for them. That was the one thing, I think, that really set Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, aside from the mayor or the pastor or the good people of the town. They were happy to live in Jericho. They were satisfied. Um, and for Bartimaeus, Jericho was not a home. It was just a place to beg. For Bartimaeus, Jericho didn't meet his needs. It didn't help him. Jericho was not enough for Bartimaeus. The man was blind and living in a painful, miserable life. So he cries out for Jesus, and as you know, Jesus stopped him. Oh, how Jesus yearns for us to cry out to him. He's passing by all the satisfied people, waiting to hear the broken, waiting to hear those that will cry out, I need you, Lord. I need you. You know, I think about, I think about the woman in the Old Testament, Hannah, who was the mother of the great uh, um, Samson? Samuel. Or Samuel. Samuel. 
Thank you. I always like to bring the scholars to church with me in case I go off. This pastor back here, it's not Samson, it's Samuel. So at any rate, Hannah is grieved and she's broken up and uh, over the fact that she's barren and she cries out to God, but you can't hear her. And the priest, Eli, is sitting by listening to her and she's weeping and he can't hear her words and so he thinks she's been drinking. And so he accuses her and says, Woman, are you drunk? You're just mumbling. I can't hear your prayer. I don't know what he thought his job was to sit and dissect the prayers, make sure they were all right or something. I always thought that was a little strange. But he literally stops her. And then he finds out that she's totally heartbroken and she's so grieved that crying out to God, she can't bring the words to her lips. She's just weeping before the Lord, crying out. God hears the heart cry. Can you say amen? And how he yearns as he passes by all the satisfied people to hear those that are cry out to him. Listen, if you're Bartimaeus today crying out to Jesus, then Jesus has stopped and he is calling for you. He is calling for you. Bartimaeus jumped up, threw his cloak aside. I guess he figured it's all right, because in a minute, I'm going to see, because I'm running to Jesus. He's calling for me, and I can come back and pick up my coat. So, God has always loved the broken for whom the sinful world is no home. There are people, listen to me this morning, there are people out there and the world is not their home. They're not saved. They don't know Jesus. But the world stopped being their home somewhere along the way. Life is no longer a safe place for them. It's no longer a place they enjoy. And the world is not a home for them. And they, are, they, they need help to cry out. They need to know that Jesus is coming by. Jesus said, in Luke, as he quotes the prophet Isaiah, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that are bruised. Jesus is attracted to brokenhearted people, to captives, to bruised people who cry out to him. My heart breaks for the brokenhearted, the captives, the bruised people who won't cry out to him. That just stay like pickles fermenting in vinegar in their circumstances day after day, week after week, month after month. But for whatever reason, he's passing by. They might even know it, but they won't cry out. They won't call out to him and they just ferment. And because of it, he's not stopping. He's not turning around. And that's why many people say, well, you know what, you know, the Lord doesn't pay any attention to me. But the fact is, we're not paying any attention to him. Amen. He's there, and we won't call out to him. But the brokenhearted, the captives and the bruised, the moment they begin to cry out to Jesus, he stops. You've stopped God. And he turned around, and he says, bring that person to me. The world, as I said, is filled with people like that, who need to call out on Jesus. And for one reason or another, they're not doing it. 
if you've set yourself on fire, if you've used up your last get-out-of-jail-free card, and the world has no more sympathy for you, there's one place still left you can go. You can call out to Jesus. You know, people always talk about, oh, my life is just filled with fiery trials. Oh, if you just knew everything I've been through. People are so cruel. Terrible things have happened to me. But until you admit that all that fiery trial, you set half those fires yourself. People all the time pouring lighter. Remember lighter fluid? When people used to use lighters? Just pouring lighter fluid on themselves. So even if you set your own fires, and people, family, don't want to have nothing to do with you anymore. The world has no sympathy for you. They can't help you. They don't know what to do. And like I said, you've used your last get-out-of-jail-free card. Guess what? You can still cry out to Jesus. He specializes in people who've used their last chance. Because guess what? He is the love of God with grace and the open door to a new life when all your last chances have been played and spent and there's nothing left. He, he will send someone to say, take courage, arise. He's calling for you. You might be a believer. You might be a Christian who's fallen out of church. God knows for whatever myriad of reasons. I personally think right here in Pinellas County where we live right here in Clearwater, that 50% of the people whose names are enrolled in heaven on the Lamb's Book of Life don't go to church. They don't fellowship anywhere. And that's not a good thing, by the way. There is no reason, none, there's no reason for that except that the devil has sidelined them. And he's used reasons that are good enough for them. And they are believers who have fallen out of church, fallen out of fellowship. And, you know, just remember... If there's a hypocrite in church, they're closer to God than you are. So, you know, it's just a way of, you know, waking up and giving yourself a little reality. The point is, there's lots of Christians who've fallen out of church, and they, they, view, they feel like, I can't go back, there's no good churches, or I'm no good, I've, I, I've used up all my do-overs. I've got no more do-overs, I don't know what to do. How many of you have allowed the devil to stop your walk with him, with the Lord, I mean? Stop your walk with the Lord because you can't think of a way to jumpstart your walk with the Lord. You, you don't see any do-overs. But what do you think grace is? When Jesus heard Bartimaeus, he said, bring him to me. He didn't tell Bartimaeus, you need to come to me. You need to rise up and come to me. No. He said, bring him to me. God is willing to send the angels, to send the Holy Spirit to bring you to him. Amen. Take courage, arise. He's calling for you. One of the things about church that has got to change, we like to use winners, achievers, strong, and beautiful people who don't need much work to attract people to Jesus. That's who we put in our music ministries. That's who we stick in our pulpits. And I'm not advocating for ugly people. I'm not advocating for clothing, you know, that's attractive and on the edge. And 
In fact, the Bible makes it very clear that those things mean nothing in the kingdom of God. Zero. Nothing. Absolute. God could care. God could care. Except that people put their heart on them. Except that people pursue those things. Except that people think that's where the power, that's where the influence is. And it's one of the things the enemy has trapped the church in, is that we like to find the people in the congregation who don't need much work. And they're winners, they're achievers, their testimonies are just, you know, from one degree of glory to the next. They just skip. Life for them is just a hop and a skip over the mountaintops. There's no valley experiences. But if you haven't noticed, those evangelists aren't working. It's not working in the world today. It's not working because unsaved people are not being attracted by the winners, by the strong, by the beautiful. But you know what they are attracted by? The broken, the, the, the smashed and the broken who are crying out to Jesus and holding on to him by the grace of God. That's attractive to the world. That speaks hope. That speaks life. That is the demonstration of the grace of God. When I see somebody who I know their life is shattered, but God is there moving and they're holding on to the Lord because he's holding on to them. So we use these winners and achievers to attract people, but like I said, it seldom works. You know, when, when we, had, um, we had our church many years ago uh, up north, uh, we had a large congregation. We had lots of evangelists, people that had that you know, evangelistic gift and everything. Um, and those were back in the days of the three-piece suit so that everybody was suited up. You know what I'm saying? But I remember the person that seemed to lead more people through the church doors was Jeff, the hairdresser who struggled with homosexuality and had a running battle all those years that he was in fellowship with us and struggled with those temptations and that image running to Jesus, depending on him. I, I, if I had a bucket, I could fill him with his tears that he wept and cried, but he would not turn back and he stayed with the Lord. That guy brought more people to Jesus. It, he brought more people, to, more women that sat in his chair ended up in our church because he wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. He poured his heart out about how he loved Jesus. And it, he was one of those guys that when you were with him, you figured there's the stereotypical gay hairdresser. Um, but this was a man who loved the Lord. And this was a man who wasn't pursuing his sexuality. He was pursuing Jesus, but he struggled. He wasn't strong. He wasn't powerful. He wasn't an achiever. He was a clinger, a clinger to Jesus. And that guy brought more people to Jesus because the world is looking for real answers. And Jesus wants to say, bring them to me. Bring them to me. Can you say amen? That's what our world needs today is God's love for the lost for the broken. The Lord is not endorsing sin. 
I'm sorry. That fake message that the church uses because it doesn't have any real power, no real delivering anointing, it just simply shifts the goalposts and says, well, Jesus loves everybody. He loves you just where you're at. The way Jesus loves you where he, you're at is he delivers you from where you're at. And <laughs> are you, do you understand what I'm saying? He doesn't crawl into the sin with you and make it okay. He, he delivers you out of it. But Jesus specializes in shattered lives and broken people. Amen. He loves that honesty. And he's, he's looking for it. And if in church we would spend less time polishing the silver and trying to improve on those that are already silver and gold and, and, and got their lives all plated and looking nice and concentrate on winning those people that are outside, that are crying out, because Jesus is passing by and they need to know it. Somehow Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was in town and he's blind as a bat, can't see Jesus, but he hears a procession going by and he probably asked, what's going on? What's happening? It's Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus of Na Jesus who I've been here. Jesus who heals. It's Jesus who I've been hearing the stories. Hey, hey, Jesus, hold up, hold up, hold on, hold on, Jesus, Son of David, and he starts worshiping him. Public, he worships him. What do you think? Hey, Son of David, he wasn't calling him names. He was worshiping. Oh, King of Israel, Son of David, come, have mercy upon me. Jesus stopped right then and there said, bring that man to me. The almighty I am is wanting to say, bring that man, bring that woman to me. I want you to close your Bible. There's no need for me beating this thing any longer. Praise the Lord. You get the point. Hallelujah. Bring him to me. I'd like the communion servers to come. Get ready if you'll just bring those communion plates up in the front and just kind of take a position. This morning is Communion Sunday. And we are standing 